0: Hello, this is Daniel Vaya, and this is Behind the Story Podcast. Welcome to this edition of Behind the Story. I talked to former WWE superstar, um, Justin Credible, who's also known who was, was also known as PJ Walker and Aldo Montoya. And I'm about to call him right here. Credible? How yeah, how are you? How are you? This is Daniel Vail. Yeah, I'm doing good. Okay. man. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. Now, I wrote down some, actually a lot of questions. Um, I heard you say on Hannibal TV. I always start off with asking questions about if you're a fan and things like that. But because I heard that on Hannibal TV. I heard you say that you liked some of actually my favorites too, like Ric Flair and people like that. And I heard you say that before you met Shawn Michaels as a wrestler, you always looked up to him.
1: Yes,
0: I did. Well, um, I was gonna save this for later on, but um, I I did tweet that I um or messaged you that. I like to interview people about their real life because they uh, I don't think that's shared enough with uh, with people. So, how did you how did you get to know Shawn Michaels and his friends personally? Oh, uh, I was uh, in the same uh, I was in WWE at the same time as Shawn
2: mm-hmm. and uh, I got to actually work Shawn uh, in singles matches at the time. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, at the Royal Rumble, etc. Hmm. Oh, okay. Um, all right. That's that's not that's uh interesting to find out. I was so young at the time that that um, as a kid, I was so young when I started watching wrestling that my earliest memory was actually just watching videotapes with uh, my uncle. So even though I even though I um remembered watching at the time, a lot of the thing, a lot of your matches, I didn't really see because we would watch Monday Nitro. Sure. And uh, then when you became just incredible, I wasn't watching at that time because once because we watched Nitro only. So even though I always knew who you were. I even saw some videos of you. I had to actually look at your Wikipedia to really know what you did. And to be honest with you, I was actually amazed at um at the transformation between your know, the character you're known at known as now and Aldo Montoya. Yeah, it was a big transformation, sure. Yeah. Mhm. And um, oh yeah, just some questions I had. Uh, when you were when you broke into the business, because you know, I hear a lot of I hear a lot of interviews of just that. So what I had asked once was, was the kind of training like, like um, I hear a lot today of how um, people don't know people aren't taught the important parts of the business, like how to know when the fans are ready for the match to end, and things like that, which I heard several times it was called psychology. So how were, what were the things you were taught in, uh, in when you were trained? Um, sure, yeah. We were just always taught
2: to, to kind of go with the flow, to treat it as if wrestling were a real sport, although, of course, it is not. It's entertainment, mm-hmm. but we mm-hmm. were taught to just... Uh, Go along and try to uh, portray it as if it was as real as possible. Like, if someone kicked me in the stomach in the ring, mm-hmm. I would certainly try to uh, feel how, you know, how, how would it feel to get kicked. Mm-hmm. I would try to act it and, and portray it the best way I could, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, and, you know, my training kind of, you know, just really taught me how to do that, how to take the proper bumps. Um, and, you know, how to properly sell for those things, but uh, for me, pro wrestling was very much a lot of ad-lib at the time, Um, Mm -hmm. a lot of cause and effect. If you did something to me, I would react uh, in the appropriate way and vice versa, and, uh, you know, it was actually a beautiful kind of way of of physical theater, you know, in a sense.
0: Yes, sir. And I had said the last time I interviewed somebody, I had said how I always don't really understand why but there were a lot of things that I would always hear and I was like I don't understand what that means or I understand what it means but I don't like the sound of the word and when I was old enough to understand what fake really meant which I hate to say that word for anything uh, but I under but when I understood that it was entertainment I said oh so it's acting So that's, I always like to call it that because it's because I always loved uh, TV shows and movies. Sure. So I was always a big fan of that. So when I found that out, I said, why do people call it fake instead of acting? Right. And, uh... Well, with, with with the
2: word fake, it has a connotation of... Uh, you know, nobody's really getting hurt, or, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, the best word I would say for something like what we mm-hmm. do is, it is scripted, it is like mm-hmm. ballet, mm-hmm. Uh, physical ballet, yes, sir. Um, what we do is we portray a, uh, a, a struggle, a competition, that is of course mm-hmm. not real in the sense of, there's no real winners or losers, everything is predetermined, mm-hmm. but uh, I guess we get offended at fake, because it certainly isn't fake when someone is hitting you uh, pretty hard to make it look mm-hmm. good, or the bumps you take on your back, mm-hmm. or by accident may get hit in mm-hmm. the head you know, from a wrong move, and so forth, you know, uh, just recently uh, somebody, uh, this young lady wrestler Asuka, got her tooth knocked down by
0: accident. So that, that, was, that was true to life? Oh, yeah, that was real. Okay, uh, I you know, I read it, so but I'm not always sure if it's true to life because a lot of times I try to look to see if it's accurate or not, and I can never find that out. So yeah, thank you for sharing that.
3: Yeah,
0: and uh,
2: that was, so, uh, so when people say fake, the people like, you know, most of us get hurt all the time, so it's like mm-hmm. we take offense to it. I don't necessarily anymore. Uh, I'm too old for it. Uh, get offended at that but nonetheless mm-hmm. I get it because what we do sometimes physically we do pay the, the price um mm-hmm. for all of that. You know, mm-hmm. when you you are like stunt a glorified stuntman, you know. Mm-hmm. You're still landing on that that map. You're still flying off the top rope and mm-hmm. you can't fake that. So uh fake is certainly like one of those bad words. Uh but yeah it is of course scripted. It is of course not uh real But to say it's fake, it kind of makes what we do feel phony to us. Therefore, I think that's Mm -hmm. why a lot of people take offense to it. But uh, I mean, look, it's a it's a beautiful ballet of physical, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, physical, you know, physical work and uh, and a lot of precision and well time, just like a great fight scene in a great movie. Mm -hmm. uh, Except we do it without any nets, and Mm -hmm. we are our own stuntmen. You know, we don't get to, You know, we do it in front of a live audience, minus COVID, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do it uh, where you know you don't have a second chance. You know, you don't have a uh, take two, so to speak. So it's a, it's very much a, a different animal on its own. It's a different sort of thing. Um, and yeah, but it's still, it, it's a, it's a great art. And I think uh, now more than ever, fans appreciate what we do as uh, a form of entertainment and a form of. A physical
3: art, so to speak, you know, and, mm-hmm. it, and it's great. Uh, I I love where uh, the business is going uh, in two
2: thousand
0: twenty-one. Mm-hmm. Okay, thank you. Uh, the name PJ Walker. Sure. Uh, was oh, I actually want to ask, what was, well, who booked your first match? Uh, my first match. Uh, it was.
2: Uh, uh, I wrestled at my wrestle I trained at the wrestling school mm-hmm. uh, in Calgary Alberta Canada that was run by the Hart brothers
3: mm-hmm. and
2: um, I came home uh, in the summer of
3: '92 and then mm-hmm. uh, I had an opportunity to go back out and wrestle
2: my first ten matches for a small promoter in Calgary and um, I just happened to uh, to get lucky enough where they needed an extra match and they put me uh, with Uh, my friend who I had graduated wrestling school with and uh, PJ Walker was just simply, my first name was I was looking for a wrestling name Mm -hmm. didn't have one, my first name was Peter, my middle name was Joseph Mm -hmm. and I was a big fan of Star Wars so I figured I would uh, I would be a high flyer so
0: my name would be PJ quotes, air quotes, Sky last name Walker Mm -hmm. and
2: Couple,
0: mm-hmm. All right. Uh my brother loves I'll watch to, uh, Star Wars. Yes, sir. My brother loves Star Wars also. So uh Oh that's awesome. So we we, we me and my dad watched uh the recent Skywalk the recent Star Wars uh before Covid hit, so that was it was really fun to see that. It was funny a yeah. little bit too, but um yeah. going back to my questions, um Oh, yeah. Aldo Montoya. Uh. I'm going to be careful how I ask this. Uh, don't worry about it. Just shoot. Um. <laughs> who, whose idea was, whose idea was that name from? Um, the whole Aldo Montoya, uh, character came from WWE, um, from their creative department. Um. Oh. they ever met me as a, as an individual, as a person, Mm -hmm. um, they were looking, they had created a character
2: called Aldo Montoya, Mm -hmm. the Portuguese man of war, and I just happened to be at the right place at the right time, uh, before I knew it, you know, uh, they were looking for a Portuguese athlete, Portuguese kid, um, that was a professional wrestler and i was portuguese i spoke it etc
0: you know mm-hmm. uh, second generation portuguese uh, athlete and uh i was in the right place at the right time and uh i just fit the fit the bill there so mm-hmm. it really
2: was just uh kind of luck to mm-hmm. um you know to get that aldo gig because they were planning on it uh before myself you know ever you know before i ever came along
0: mm-hmm. and uh thank you for that um when uh oh yeah what I was going to say next was um were you how long did you i read that you stayed in that character for about 2 years um did did you when you left WWE were you still in that character or did they or did they repackage you did I what did you stay as Aldo Montoya when you left yes. the WWE? Uh, no, I only wrestled actual stuff in the WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did Aldo from uh,
3: 1994 till seven. Um, but I never did Aldo uh, outside of the WWE.
0: Okay. They own they own the name, so yeah, okay. that was uh, how it went. Okay. Um, what caused you to? L- what was the real life reason you left the WWE? That's a good
2: question.
0: are more Are you there?
2: as a and, uh, you know, they offered me uh, pretty much the same amount of money truly, as the WWE, and uh,
0: it was a no-brainer for me at to make the jump. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. I was having trouble hearing you until that last sentence. i uh, I was having trouble hearing some of what you said until oh, you said uh, they offered you
3: oh mm-hmm. uh, well the reason no the,
2: the re- is, uh, you know they offered me a, a good amount of money and an opportunity to, to grow as a performer and to, to be more than uh than Aldo, to kind of be to step away from that character mm-hmm. and to be a main event player somewhere else which mm-hmm. uh, I think I was ready for as a performer
0: mhm um was that ECW?
2: Uh, yeah, it was an ECW, okay. absolutely, where okay. I, you know, got a great opportunity, and uh, later on came, became
3: two-time tag team champion and uh, one-time world heavyweight champion. It was a great opportunity.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay. Hmm. Okay, let me see if I, there's something else. Oh, yeah. So, I'm the, I have a condition where, I have a thyroid condition where it's underactive, and get f- one of the symptoms is your brain gets fuzzy, so... I very easily I forget what I'm thinking, so I have to look back at this at my questions. Oh yeah. Um. When you went against um, Scott Hall, was that an? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me restate that. Um, I heard you say that you blocked out the memory of what happened with Scott Hall. How he shouldn't have been anywhere near the ring. Uh, oh. Uh-
2: Yes, sir. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, that was, that was, yeah, I was put in a bad situation. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Scott uh, w- was a dear friend to me, and mm-hmm. uh, I was embarrassed, embarrassed for him. Mm-hmm. And not only that, I was put in a situation where promoters were looking at me because there was a, a sold-out crowd of fans mm-hmm. wanting to see Scott Hall. And, uh, you know, the, the, everybody was looking to me, and I was like... I, it was unfair for me to have to make that kind of ball, mm-hmm. well, you know, to do. I don't want to make the wrong decisions. So, uh, mm-hmm. you know, I just tried to, uh, to, to, you know, he
0: wanted to go on. and, You know, what do I say, right? He's my mm-hmm. senior, you know, I'm, I'm the young guy. He's the mm-hmm. veteran. Mm-hmm.
2: And I just went with Scott. And, you know, even though he wasn't in any condition, I, uh, I took the coward's way out, I will say and just went along with, with what he said, and,
0: uh, Mm -hmm. in hindsight, of course, I should not have done that, you know, -hmm. but, you know, I was put
2: in a bad situation, I didn't know what to do, I
0: just wanted to make everyone happy, Mm -hmm. you know. Yes, sir. I, I probably would have done the same thing if I was in your situation, because I I I don't, I don't like getting people upset, so I probably would have done that.
2: No, but just real quick, you know, I didn't want to. I
0: didn't want to mess anything up, right, Mm -hmm. for the promoters and for the performers. I just wanted to do what was
2: expected, so I was just nervous. I was scared. I didn't know what was the right, because when you show up to the show, you're thinking, oh, I'm going to wrestle Scott Hall. We're going to have a great time, and then when this stuff happens, you're... You're put in an unfair situation where you have to make hard decisions, and you're not ready
3: for them. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I was just nervous, you know. Mm-hmm. I was like, "What do What do I do?" You know. And, uh, mm-hmm. Yes.
0: Sir. You know, hindsight, I would have done it differently, but uh, it was scary. It was really scary stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um. Oh yeah, x Pack being a tag team. Uh. How How was y'all's first match together? As far mm-hmm. as as far as working, as far as having chemistry? Oh,
2: uh, it was good. Uh, you know, I loved working with him. We had a very similar uh, way of wrestling. Uh, mm-hmm. Our moves uh, blended together. So, him, mm-hmm. uh, for me, I, I mean, I don't know how he feels. I never spoke to him about
0: it. I wish I would. Mm-hmm.
2: But, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, I, I loved it. I mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Uh, a lot. I okay. loved working with him. It was really,
0: Okay, so, uh, all right. I don't do this a lot, but I had an idea of something. Because I always have, everybody has a different, um, view on people that somebody else does. So, want to do word association. Sure. Um, before I forget, um, okay. Not as a, not as a wrestler, but as a person, um, how would you describe, uh, Ric Flair? Flair? Yes, sir, as a, if you've ever, you know, been around him outside sure. of just being, uh, in the business.
2: Sure. Uh, one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest of all time. Mm-hmm. And the reason I got involved in this great business of pro
0: wrestling.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, uh, I adore him and, mm-hmm. uh, when I was a kid, I used to dress up like Flair and wrestle in the backyard with the woos and the chops and everything. Uh, yes. I, I wanted to be like Rick, and Rick was the reason mm-hmm. I had the courage and the guts to, to go and train to be a pro wrestler. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Um, okay. Well. Um, the last person I know you wrestled in WWE is Batista. Um. How would you describe him from your the little bit of time you met him? Oh, um, I
2: love Dave. I think mm-hmm. Dave is he's a very good pro
3: wrestler. He's a very kind human being. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of people don't know this, but
2: uh, when I wrestled Dave on television, I had wrestled him almost 15 times previously uh, on live events, like not televised shows. Mm-hmm. Um, and WWE does that for several reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. One of them being, excuse me, they want you to, you know, be familiar with who you're working with. So Dave and I uh, were very comfortable, even though he was a rookie mm-hmm. and he was making his debut. Um, we had had 15 or so matches under our belt. So when it was time on Monday Night Raw, we just went out there um, and, uh, you know, just rocked it. I love Dave. Dave's mm-hmm. a, a very very great wrestler and a great performer and a great guy too. People don't understand. He's one of the kindest people. I've had the privilege of, uh, of knowing in this business, and I can
0: call him a friend today. He's awesome. Hmm. Okay, good. Um. Oh yeah, another person that I can think of from ECW would be uh, Shane Douglas. What do you think of him?
2: I love him. Uh, Just uh, professionally, Mm -hmm. as a a pro wrestler, I think he's one of the greatest of all time, Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the best world champions of all time, I'll say that. Um, And also, uh, as a human being, one of the kindest, gentlest souls I've ever met. He's Mm -hmm. a true friend. Yeah. And a true icon in this business. Uh I love Shane with all my heart and I think he feels the same I hope he feels the
0: same way. I think he does. Yeah. Uh we're we're good friends to this day. I, I love the franchise. He's awesome. Okay. Good. Um I um there's so many different people. To think of I wanted to do this in thirty minutes. Okay. So, um I'll just, um, I don't know how much talent back in those days got to spend with Vince McMahon because everybody has different views of him. Uh, What were your experiences like with him?
2: Um, I was privileged. I actually spent uh, a lot of time with Vince um, because when I was there, you know, especially
1: in 92
2: to 94. Um, it was still very much the old school days where, you know, if you had a problem, you went to Vince personally. You didn't have to go through a hundred people in the office mm-hmm. to get to the old man, you know. Um, when he when I got offered my first contract, uh, it was Vince who offered it to me. Uh, he asked me, uh, he goes, PJ, could you step outside with me for a minute? And uh, Vince and I stepped outside. I thought I was in trouble. You know, I thought I was going to get mafia executed by Vince. <laughs> And, uh, it's what it felt like, but, uh, he was there to offer me a job, so, uh, I always felt very comfortable around him, uh, he's a, he's a very stern businessman, mm-hmm. but very fair, and, uh, he's, you know, he will, uh, do anything he can, if you're loyal to the WWE and to Vince McMahon, he'll be loyal to you, uh, you know, to some degrees, of course, you know, business, of course, always comes first, but, uh... I'll tell you Vince in this and I won't elaborate because it's personal, but uh mm-hmm. Vince has done some things for me that uh you know, have been above and beyond, let's just say it that way, uh mm-hmm. financially and otherwise, uh, to help me. So uh, I'm very grateful for Vincent McMahon.
0: Okay good. Um Oh yeah, some people don't know what you do now. Because Wikipedia doesn't put everything, and sometimes it put a lot of inaccurate things. So, what do you do now?
2: Um, right now, I'm just uh, basically doing uh, wrestling. I'm doing wrestling, mm-hmm. uh, even though with COVID, it's been very difficult. Although mm-hmm. I have stayed busy in Florida and in Texas, and I'm mm-hmm. also podcasting. Uh, oh. uh, i and doing documentaries uh, in the wrestling business. And uh, when I'm not doing that, I'm doing uh, construction on the okay. side. So, okay. you know, uh, all over the place, kind of. You know. Okay. What's your... a little bit of uh, a little bit of everything?
0: Okay. What's your po- what you said you're doing podcasting? Uh, what? Yeah, What's the my... name I of your podcast? Um. Well, I have an
2: AEW review show that I do weekly yeah. with Vince Russo.
0: Uh, I thought I saw that. Yes, sir.
2: Yeah, I do it on. Mm-hmm. And uh, I also have my own show on his network as well called Pro Wrestling 101, mm-hmm. which is a uh, once-a-week, 20-minute excerpt on uh, basically little lessons about professional wrestling, uh, if you mm-hmm. are a wrestler, how to uh, improve in your craft. Mm-hmm. So uh, I do those too, and of course I, do, uh, you know, I try to do as many of these as possible with uh, other podcasts out there mm-hmm. throughout the country and the world.
0: Okay. Yeah, that's great. Um, there's something, I, oh yeah, I should have said this right away, I, I guess I didn't think about it, uh, who, who did train you, oh, I'm oh, sorry, you sure. said that, you said that it was run by the Hart brothers, uh,
2: yes, uh, the Hart's in Calgary, uh, Brett and Owen's
0: family. Mm-hmm. let hmm, I have to, I have to ask this, because, uh, I'm thinking how Chris Jericho went to the, I can only assume school. he went you through went the, to the, to the same, same, same school. school. Went to the same school, yep, the same school. Hmm. So, I guess because things changed so much, I was wondering what was the name of the trainer. Mine was Keith Hart. Oh, okay, good. And yeah, it should be yes, the sir. same as Chris because uh, I believe Chris and my mm-hmm. uh, future partner Lance Storm uh, mm-hmm. were both there uh,
2: at the same time, so I think mm-hmm. we all had the same trainer.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. I had. I get a lot of DVD documentaries about. Okay. Rustler is live, so yes, sir. I heard that story say the first person he met in the school that looked like they could do it physically was Chris Jericho. Yeah, yeah. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Okay, so, thank you. Uh, Okay, good. 27 minutes, good. Uh, I thank you, and I really don't, I can't think of anything else. So I want to say thank you, and uh, I hope. I hope you go as far as you can with podcasting. Um, and I uh, just want to say, just um, just thank you, and just uh, have a good have a good uh night. And um, just um, I don't know what else to say, so just thank you. Well, I appreciate it, man, and thank mm-hmm.
2: you. You did a great job. I, I had a good time talking mm-hmm. to you, man. I yeah, know. Thank uh, you. You know, there's a lot of these podcasts, and uh, you really did a, an amazing job of asking the great questions, and believe it or not, bro, mm-hmm. you asked me some questions that nobody else asked me, so kudos to you, man. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed I enjoyed myself. It was a good half hour,
0: and uh, mm-hmm. I'm always here, man, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, be glad to do it again, and I mm-hmm. hope mm-hmm. to get some uh, some other guys
2: to do it, because it was a fun time, and I really mm-hmm. enjoyed it. Thank mm-hmm. you.
0: Thank, Thank you for
2: having me. It was a pleasure, sir.
0: Welcome. Thank you. All right.
2: All right, my friend. All
0: right. bye. hello this is Daniel Day with behind the story um, because I don't know how to um, redirect this to launchpad that I don't I don't have the downloads from y'all onto Launchpad Because I'm sure all that would go with it But um Thank you For the 1400 plus Downloads I've had So far And thank you to the 20 plus Um listeners I have Um I forgot to mention that earlier I just wanted to Always I like to take ideas I have and just talk about it Um, hmm. If I've said this In any capacity in the past Please forgive me I don't mean to repeat myself But sometimes I notice things that I think are important And I think this Is important to mention Hmm. Earlier um, In my video before this Before I started talking about before I even pressed play, because of this video with Dusty Rhodes and J.J. Dillon in a Texas Bowler Rope match. Um, before um, I did that, I mentioned one of the people that I'm gonna try to interview in the, you know, in the future, and. <clears throat> I am still waiting. Um, I'm still waiting to get a response from MLW because of um when I sent an email two months ago, they were looking, not looking the other man told me he was going to have to go to, um, gonna have to get to, he was going to have to get clearance from Corp Bauer. So and I'm still waiting for that, and I think it might be, um, better if I go to bookprowrestlers.com and enter and book the the interview because the last time somebody tried to get permission from MLW they got um, two or three times in a row the man got rejected so I think it um, would be better to go You go to bookprowrestling.com because that is more, at least you have more of what we call, there's more of a definitive or not definitive, but not just definitive. You you know you'll get you know you'll get a response right away with bookforwrestlers.com because it said all you need to do is send the money, say when to do it, and keep your word, and that's it. So that so if anybody is listening to this, thinking about doing this. That is the best option to go with. That's the option I would go with. I would go with that because... knowing, Knowing the time I want to do the interview. Not the time of the day I want to do the interview. And usually... When I do an interview, it's somebody that it's... It's myself only that knows what I want to talk about. But this was something that... This is an interview that I was... This is something that my mom, who's not even a wrestling fan, loved, um, watching. So that's why I, um... So I'm choosing to do it on a weekend. If I would, if and when I get a response, I want to do this on a weekend so that it will be. It'll be the time whenever. Um. I'm sorry. I am struggling with the words right here. It would be the time when my mom will be around or my dad or both. So, if that, if, um, if they're around, then they can, they can both, um, especially my mom, both be able to add questions that I, um, may not even think of myself. But anyway, what, hap- what it is, is uh, what I wanted to share was, um, not too long ago, I think this was for... I think this was for February Valentine's Day February 14th I think it's for February 14th Valentine's Day I was talking about all these different um times and they did a uh a show did a a scene where they had to kiss and the the selling of it and everything and that actually, a lot of people um, may not realize this, but something as small as that, so there's some parts of it that took a lot of... took a lot of either acting or really... they were looking, like for instance, when you... When you have to pretend, because this happened once. When you have to pretend to um to be a your own character's um. I tried, I actually forgot what the imposter. When you have to pretend to be your own character's imposter. That takes a lot of acting. And. There's, def, there's not just talent in acting, there's a lot of art to it, like, something as simple as, um, what we call, facial, not just facial expressions, body language, something that's just body language, is a big, um, is what really makes the difference, you have to know, um, Not... You have to know... Not just when... Somebody is... Not, ju- not just to know... When the cr- when the crowd might not be... Buying it... But you have to know... How to act... If... If what your... If what your character is trying to pull off... When, it, when it's working... You have to... For the audience... To believe that um, it's it's plausible, you have to know how to make you have to make a certain face a certain way. Like there's a show, use this as an example before that. There's this spy show, the first spy show I ever watched. Um, it was from the 1960s called um, Get Smart. The original gets Smart. Um, I'm not going to go through that again. But the... The... Um, imposter... When she got what she wanted. She made this devious face. Like, oh, I got him now. And... To really believe that... For us as the viewers to really believe that that's what's happening in the show. Takes a lot of ability. And... Really, I, I've spoke about this before in one of my other podcasts that I've tried in the past. But instead of talking about the ability and everything, I spoke what, about what I thought was funny about it. So this is what really doesn't get enough um, praise, I guess you'd call it, or enough people don't people talk about it unless you listen to ring announcer David uh Penzer talking about it. You don't really get a hear a lot of um praise about it because that this took a lot of ability. Now, I was talking about this with my mom earlier tonight, how <coughs> okay. That was talking about how it could potentially Um, if I get a response from the main, um, guy at BookForWrestlers.com, if I get a response from him, then all I have to do is just get the information of where to send the, uh, the money at in Western Union, and just, just, uh, he'll contact um, MLW manager, Colonel Parker, and go from there, and the, what, what could have been four or five years that he spent in WCW for managing Sid Vicious, <coughs> excuse me, and, um, Buck, which is his cut, which is his real-life cousin, Jimmy Golden, to manage... And then after Sid Vicious was released because he he started a staff fight with, um, Arn Anderson, then he managed, um, Stunning Steve Austin and... Terry Funk, and as a matter of fact, he, he managed Terry Funk and, uh, Orton Anderson, when they were part of the stud stable, along with, um, Bunkhouse Buck, and, uh, I think that was the only one at the time, and at this time, stud stable really just became a tag team, so that's why, um, this was, this was needed in a lot of ways, just because after a while, people were not gonna know who he was. And, this I will say, if anybody cares, because some people may not, some people may have had such a a distaste for the storyline that they may not care to even ask questions about it. But if anybody cares about that character enough to ask him questions about the storyline, just send me. Some questions at. Behind the story pod. 31 I believe. Oh no. I think when I went I think I went the next number. That's 32. At gmail.com. And. <coughs> if. Y'all want. If y'all really. Want to know Any. Behind the uh, scene's questions. Because I already have some of my own. But if y'all. If anybody else like that storyline. And I want to take part in this. Just send me some questions. Send me some questions y'all might have. And I'll write them down. And I'll ask him. Because I am literally. Just fingertips away. Not fingertips but. Because that old old cliche I am this close from uh from interviewing him. And I think I said this before that when I first thought about interviewing people, he was my uh dream he was my dream guest, so because he had he had exactly before I even thought of this the name of this interview format I knew exactly what I wanted to talk to him about, because I was so curious. And after a while, I just said, I thought to myself, I want to ask behind-the-scenes questions. So, I don't want to call this (laughs) behind-the-story. Because, let's face it, this was a story, that's why I didn't think there's such a big deal. But, when he was put, um, it's really... Looking back at it, as a kid, it did seem kind of out of the ordinary because they never had any interaction with each other. His tag team and um, Harlem Heat never had any interaction, never had a match against each other. Heck, they never even crossed paths on TV up to this point, so, that's why this is so out of the ordinary, but so, so good at the same time, and, I have to be honest, I, um, what I consider to be, excuse me, allergies again, what I consider to be such a, uh, um, A big part of this is, uh, what's, what is overseen in this is that when this started, this story started, you did not know what he was about. You just knew that he was, he was billed as the greatest promoter on the face of the earth, which I have to be honest, he, he was not exaggerating, he was great at promoting the guys he had, so that was not a lie, it just seemed like an exaggeration, like a hyperbole almost. So, we really then, like I said, we knew he was a great promoter on the face of the earth, we knew he was a manager, but really, aside from his name, and the backstory of his name, what was he about, was always the question, so, that's what the, that is what it's so important about. Uh, this, this interview is, we know who, we know who, um, came, whose idea it could have been, or supposedly it was, that put him with, um, put the storyline with he and Sherry Martell, but our sister Sherry, has to call her in WCW. But what a lot of people don't realize is um, the same people in the past that said Ric Flair came up with an idea also they also blamed things on Bill Watts and we found out that was not true. They blamed any time something did not work, they always blamed it on Ric Flair. So because this was such a popular storyline, because it's still remembered to this day. That's why I don't know whose idea this was, because <clears throat> I don't know who brought it up to them. I don't know any of that, and to be honest, I don't know if anybody else does, either. But to get to my point about why why this doesn't get the credit it deserves, when you have okay. If I could take this a step further than just them being up op- them knowing each other personally before the storyline even happened to start to take this a step above step further before w c w was a company before. Vince McMahon was buying out territories left and right in the territory days when they were still strong you had um, Robert Fuller was booking a lot of those territories like a like a possibly definitely he was booking in Tennessee, could be USWA. Before that, it was just Memphis wrestling. Um, he booked his brother's territory, Continental Wrestling, which is actually where and how Arn Anderson got the name Arn Anderson was talking to Robert Fuller. Um... Sherry actually, she shared in her shoot interview that she used to, um, she used to actually work, I think she might have gotten booked by Robert in one of those territories, so they were always friends, the only time they got upset with each other, the only time she got upset with them was when they were late for a show and she, they couldn't stop and use the bathroom. She and her friend. She and her female friend could not stop and use the bathroom, so the only time they got she got upset with them. But this was the way she got upset with him in this character, was not in the same way. This was more like. You insulted me. I call insulted me. It's obvious you want. You want to see who's the, who the better team is? Let's settle this. And that—that that in itself made it made it um, because they were close friends up until the day she died. I'm sure. Matter of fact, to this day, he speaks about how much he he loves her as a person, as a friend. So they were always close friends. So that in itself shows. How this doesn't get the uh, the praise it deserves. I mean, for one thing, Robert Fuller, strong and handsome, a lot of women would say that. And completely opposite of this character. As a matter of fact, in so many words, he said in so many words that the only thing that came close to... Came close to being easy about this character was when he would be a blowhard with people or blowhard, and really a lot of times I got a feeling that because he said he was like that when he was a younger man, so I got a feeling that that was more of him being a blowhard than actually being serious. So. That was what made it even more interesting. What I think is um, actually important to point out, but I can't see this um, from this picture I took, but there's one picture I took where I got cl- I got close enough one day where I could see right before he this was funny because before I even say what happened this was funny because it was obvious you don't stand any chance with her what are you trying and what he did was he knew and the speculation but I think he knew as a performer for, after all those years, um, I think he knew because he had gotten so great at cutting promos that if he kissed her, which he did, that was going to make the crowd go wild because it was something they weren't expecting and i remember sh- i remember right before he finished that part of the um of the scene you could see um that she was about to you'd see she did not she's supposed to sell it like she wasn't expecting it. But well, you can see, I think if you see it close enough you could see her about to um, open her mouth for him to kiss her and see things like that that is why she not only deserved to be in the Hall of Fame when she was inducted but she deserved to be given, uh, uh, actually, I think they both deserved an award from this, from, uh, from the Screen Actors Guild or something, because this looks so, this looks so believable, but when you look at it now, um, in slow motion, because... With the technology the way we have it, you couldn't record anything in slow motion. Like, uh, for instance, <clears throat> I think if you take the close caption off of, uh, of the WWE Network app, I think if you take the closed caption off and you and you put slow motion recording you can you put I think you can see what I was just talking about but the part that I think if I'm going to make another point what took just as much talent from both of them was them her hitting her head pretending that all of a sudden she was in love with him, and every and him him running away from her you can see it was almost the way they presented it was like It was almost like, um, this is what you wanted, why are you running away? So it it appeared that on one hand, he, um, was interested in her, but on the other hand, most of it, most of the way he acted was just, just to, uh, just for the sake of his team. So that's what made... That's really what made that funny. (laughs) But what I liked was actually... Up to this point, you knew she was beautiful and everything and tough as nails. But you never got to see her act... You never got to see her act feminine in any way because she always was in a situation where she would have to do something to help her men that she was managing. So this actually, the reason I say this doesn't get the praise it deserves is because she, was, after all those years of being a manager for the men, she finally had a platform or a storyline to show how feminine she could be. I well, not she was a lady, but we're talking about really being feminine. When she was she was drunk in real life and she had to show that in her character once. And just seeing that, you could see how she was a lot. Um, if that was ODB, we wouldn't be able to watch that type of storyline. But if it was buddy like Sherry, it was easy to watch because she always was very wholesome and uh, not just beautiful, but she never went so far with what she was doing that it was offensive. So that's why it was even better. Up to that point, up to this point, you just knew she was tough. You even knew she was beautiful, but you never knew uh, how she was when she was... In a situation where she would... When she was able to be feminine in any way. Like... Um... Give me an example of what I'm talking about is... When you show... When you saw... Tamina up. Use her as an example because... She went through the exact same thing. She had the exact same... Storyline... Not the exact same storyline, but it's similar enough. After she got through with her story, with her first storyline against um, Natalia, because it was herself, she and the Usos against Natalia, T.J. T.J. Smith, or I should I say Teddy Hart? No, that's not Teddy Hart. That's her cousin, Tyson Kidd. There it is. And her cousin, um, D.H. Smith. So when they got past that. I don't know who's I did. I do not know whose I did was, but she, but, um, one night in the summer of that year, she came out, and I always knew she was beautiful, but just like, this is what is similar about it is that after Sherry fell for the Colonel, they let her show not just a feminine side, but even the way she put her hair was different, the way the way she just looked, you know, with the makeup and everything looked. Uh, let's say it was too much makeup, but she looked more dressed up than usual, and that is the way. That is a way that you usually see that when a woman wants to look nice for somebody. So that's something you not see a lot from her because there's no need to see it. But the way she spoke with it is what made it even better. And the best part about it was she loved it. She loved every minute of it. You know, the way she set her hair up and... The way she uh she was telling him that the ring she had not on her hand but around her neck in a necklace was from him and I think she probably had I think she probably had fun because of how he was because how he was running away from her. I think that made her laugh too. And I think she had fun because The fact that they were pulling one over on us. But uh, that's what I wanted to point out. was how they both. Both tough. Both beautiful. I mean stunning. type beautiful. And. Because of that. That's why I can't help but mention to me. She came out. After a women's match. That referee was supposed to be. So, Tina was supposed to be, like... Because it was a summer thing. He was supposed to be, like, a, uh... I'm struggling with this. Oh, yeah. Like, a... Because of summer, they called him a lifeguard. Instead of a referee. So, he had to make sure everything was done the right way. And he had to count to three. The ma- match to in. All of a sudden, she came out. And I thought that was good to see her do. Because that brought... That brought out the um the side of her that we would not have expected because she was tough too, and when she wrestles she's just as tough as she wrestles as she is just she's intimidating. So see how she just acts so tough, and this just helped her more grow as just um an act just in the acting form of the business. So. What do I think was the best part of this? I think it was, and this is one question I did want to ask. So far I have three main questions. And I think some, and I think besides whose idea was that. Um, my second question is, after, after this was, after the storyline was introduced, um why did it why did y'all wait so long to keep to keep um why did they wait so long for y'all's team to actually have a run against each other for the titles? Or why did it wait so long to put it or why didn't they include um the Buck and Seder in the title in the title storyline. Sader one Match. That would be my question. But what was great though was the in between storylines. Like what I thought was great was him constantly going after her and some of the the sweetest thing about it was he did it the way a man should do it. He was sweet about it. He wasn't, um He wasn't a jerk about it. He was sweet about it. That's what I liked about it. But one of the funniest things was he was the only man around that could catch her when she fell off the ring apron. What What does he do? He kisses her again and she bites him in the ear. That's the funniest thing. <laughs> so, what I really, my third question would be When was the, when it was time for them to end their, their storyline with, uh, with Nasty Boys and the Blue Bloods, why, when did y'all, or who made the decision for y'all to face each, or y'all's teams to face each other for the titles? Those are some questions I have, because I think it's, I think it's very important. And my my uh, question was uh my th- fourth question would be what when and how when and who came up with the idea to have her character do a 180 and all of a sudden fall in love with you that would be my fourth question. I would have to try to learn how to ask these questions without laughing because that is the funniest part about it but the thing is is that what I liked was how he my biggest question would be how were? one of the questions I also had is how did you know did it feel um because this was a friend of yours. Did it feel. I do my question would be. Did it feel awkward doing that or. Because some people work together so well. It feels natural. Did it feel. Feel like. Uh, if. No I think that's, that's the way I end it is. How, how did it feel because. I you know that if I was to do that. I would, um, if I had to do that with my friend, I'd feel kind of, um, I'd feel kind of uncomfortable myself. So, that'd be something quite, that'd be one very important question I would have. might even be one of the first questions I would ask. But what I thought was good was how, when it was time for their men to, what I liked is how they used her, um, change of mind, they used, that's how they used it to ensure that his men never lost the titles. I thought that, I thought creatively, when you get past the comedic side of it, I thought that was the perfect way to keep his men from losing the titles. Because, what better way to get, to get his men disqualified than for then to use instead of it being the the same old um, thing, then because she's part of the story, let's have to have him get in the ring to try to get away from her, and a better way to do it than in an important match like the titles, and that way his that way his team will keep the titles. That's what I thought. I thought creatively, it was brilliant. Because they're like two different times. I remember he was two different times when said she decided to uh, today we use letters instead of the actual words for this. She decided to. to Use PDA. And. uh, And. When it got to be too much for him. He just ran away from her. And you know I never. Looking back at that. I don't. I never would have thought. If I was to do something. If I would have done something like that. I never would have thought to myself. Hmm. The best way to keep best way to use this storyline to keep them as champions, the best way is to use her, um, scaring him off. That way they won't get physical, but they won't, but they won't risk the titles being switched either. I think it's very brilliant of them. That was very brilliant of them. But what I thought, even more interesting was... When it was time for both of them... To kiss each other... Um... Instead of one scaring the other one off... Or one upsetting the other one... When it was time for both of them to kiss each other... Because they both wanted to... What I thought was interesting... Was how even though the fans could... Um buy into it, I thought it was interesting how Sherry could see, um, from how it looked like, it looked like she could sense that maybe they weren't fully, um, invested in the scene, so, or believed it, in, or full, or had 100% belief that this was happening, so she could see she needed to, um, to do more than she was doing, and it actually, back at it, it actually worked. That was the amazing thing. Not only was it ad-libbed, along with the post-match, um, promo by Parker, not only did it, not only, not only was the, that, um not only was the post-match promo ad-libbed, but I believe everything was. So for her to sense from the crowd's response that it was, um, that it may not have been um, what we call plausible, for it to be fully plausible, she realized she was going to have to do more, a little bit more than what she was already doing. And what I liked Was, um, now I call me strange, but I always found small things like this curious. When I would watch scenes like that, I would always wonder okay, why is it that men like, why is it that women like to, uh, okay, understand that a man, when a man wears a hat, their hair gets, um, kinda of messy, so I understand that part. But why it seemed like even if they have no hair period, women like to put their hair through it anyway. It's like I never understood that part, so that's what I really thought was interesting was how actually what I thought was interesting was how he when they for people who may have seen this, what I liked, my favorite part, was how, even though she was supposed to be happy, because her team won, he was supposed to look at least disappointed, and he didn't look like he cared, when his team lost, and, to put it in a way, that I would feel comfortable putting it, it's like, I know I lost the, um, when my team lost the titles, but I feel like... I feel like I just won the World Series. The way... The way I was able to... Uh, to win the woman of my dreams. <laughs> and what was even funnier was her... I can't speak... You know... That's why I try to be careful... With my words. I can't speak for anybody... But I... I know she had fun the whole time. So... It... I believe that, that was I believe that, that was not just to sell the story. I believe that it was because she had so much fun doing it, she couldn't help but laugh. She couldn't help but smile. Make it look like it was because she was in love with them. So that's the reason that was the best part was because it made you want it made you wonder anytime a story Gets to the point of like. One has to choose. What he, what they want to do. Now she. She was not in the position. To really choose between them. But Parker was. So that's what really was the best part of it was. Okay. You chased her. She rejected you. So you chased you. You ran away from her. Because you were afraid. Now that y'all both are doing. Now that. Y'all both. Want to. Want to be together, what are you gonna do? And I think it it came down to the uh I think it came down to I want to be with her and I don't mind and I don't mind if it uh I mind if it causes me to choose between our two teams. Just so the best the best thing was When they were, I did not, at the time I was disappointed that they used Medusa to crash the wedding. But, I'm glad how they used her when they decided to rehire her. To give her a second chance, I liked how they used them and what was interesting about it was... They this brings another question that I could ask. Why did they have? Why did they have him be a promote? Be built as a promoter, and her be billed as a manager? That would be a question for me because even though that was his gimmick, I just thought I just thought it'd be I just thought it was kind of strange at the time. But when you see Him calling himself a a promoter. You see how that could have... That could have been a precursor to... Paul Heyman... Calling himself an advocate. So... Really... is interesting to look back at that. So anyway... I just thought I'd share that and... Um... If y'all are... If y'all have only been watching... WWE for about 10 years or so. Then. Ask. Then if your parents or your friends. Parents watched. um, Wrestling as a kid. And. Could have watched WCW. At like say around that time. Ask them if they remember. um, Watching that storyline. And let them tell you about it. Because. That would really, that would really um, be helpful in the in the interview that I'm gonna do in the future. Thank you. What I really thought to end this, to end this conversation or this discussion that I'm having with you I thought it was interesting how because he did not fight Nash, Kevin Nash, in order to try to save the belt he just handed him over his cane. I thought it was interesting how they tried to have them feud. This time both of them feud and I thought it was interesting how she he let her beat him up in the ring for about a minute because she it got to the point at World War Three when he World War Three that year, nineteen ninety seven. After they lost the titles, they went against his team, the Amazing amazing French Canadians, until, and with her winning five minutes, and all it took was about a minute for him to, for them to take him out of the ring and run to the back with him. I thought that was a good way to end it. Was What was strange, though, was after, was after a while, they just ended that storyline without a definitive, um, without a definitive ending to the story and um I mean they defined it they defined the end of the story between the two of them but not the end of the rivalry between their teams. So what I found out from Hannibal.tv's interview with him they his team he could not get along with his team so they they just had I believe they held off as best as they could, but when one of his team one of his team members got uh, one of the wrestlers he managed got fired, so they had to so they had to do away with it, and he just went home until Jim Ross called him. So that that is the only thing I don't have to ask him. For the rest, I do. So once again, if y'all think of anything, please email me because. I know what I want to ask, and I would like for this to be, um, I'd like for my listeners to have a part in this, if y'all don't mind. Thank you, and goodbye. Hello, this is Daniel Vano. Um, I'm going to just be honest, um, not that I'm not honest in the past, but usually, um, I don't talk about this because whenever it's um when I'm not sure something happening, I don't like to talk about it. So I don't usually like to share this unless it is definite. So, I've been podcasting for let's see. I believe it's been about seven years now, and <coughs> to go from one guest to three in not even a year, and I'm not even a, and I'm not even really known. I'm not established. I'm not um, an established podcaster like. There's so many other people, I have to. That's why I have to be. Have, I have to. Hey, I understand there's a lot of atheists that might um, listen to this. So. So I have to be honest and say, I just believe. I believe in God. So. Anything that happens in my life, I have to give God the glory. And say that. Thank God that I took the time to listen to my brother because I used to have such a monotone voice that it would, it would actually make my sister-in-law fall asleep. So, thank God that I, um, and I really mean that. It's not just an old saying, I mean that. I'm really thankful to God that, um... That I was able to, when I asked my brother how he was taught to make sure that he could hear his voice, well that's, when he taught me that, I not only did it, but I've been doing it ever since, and here and there. So when I'm positive that my voice is where needs to go, be, how it needs to be, excuse me. I just stopped Do I just started talking normally, and that's not really what I wanted to talk about, but it came to me, th- so I thought I'd say it. What I'm really thankful to God about is that I went from, I went from having literally no guests to having three guests that I wanted to interview, and um, I just got an email response from Ring of Honor. And I wanted to share that with y'all before I do my regular topic because I know I could do that on Instagram or Twitter, but I thought that it was something to share on, On man, I don't know which one is better, Instagram or Twitter. Instagram is great for, um, sharing live videos to promote my, my, um, my interviews and my episodes, but Twitter, I find, is better at, um, is better at doing things like, um, for instance, polls, like, I know what I want to talk about, but if I was able to get a um to get an agreement with Ring of Honor to interview their stars, then I would have to, to do a poll of who to interview or who to try to interview. Um, so that I am, but I I don't mind sharing that because it's such a big um. Uh, it's it's such an exciting opportunity. <clears throat> I also have the... Um, let me think how you say this. I have the potential of also interviewing MLW manager, Colonel Parker, or Colonel Robert Parker. So I wanted to share that too Because that is also exciting So What I want to say I'm sorry about Is uh, I said the other day I wanted To I wanted to do a set I wanted to do a format where I start the show off by talking about gimmick matches. And what's perfect about that for this podcast is every gimmick match starts or the storyline for every gimmick match starts with a sto- starts with a um, backstory, like everything else. So, um Elimination Chamber, the other day I had shared how Eric Bischoff, um, introduced that, and the next week, or two weeks later, he shared how, um, how they were gonna go about that, and I thought it was interesting, and I think it's probably still how it's done. Like he said, it's, it, he said it was a combination of war games, Royal Rumble, and one more match that I don't remember at the time. Oh yeah, the cage match. Regular cage match. War games is one giant cage over covering two rings, but the rules are similar to war games. Since that you have to wait if you have to wait until the time limit goes until the timer goes off, then you go in. That's how they That's how that was a part, that was similar to War Games in that sense. A cage match because it was a steel structure, so it was like a cage match. But what made it so different than a cage match was... A cage match, the only steel you see is on the side, but... You can walk around the ring, it is so big and it's so large that could walk around the ring and not feel closed in. When you're out of the pub, that is the most amazing thing about the Elimination Chamber match. Originally, the cage, as Ric Flair shared in his DVD, The Definitive Collection, the cage match, even though it's changed (coughs) throughout history, the cage match you either want to close a show Or you want A baby face To, to go out of the, Come out of the cage match The winner And I think to this day That's normally what a cage match Is used for But It all depends on the story Sometimes A cage match is misused But there's one time in particular I remember. There was a cage match between RVD and uh, Kane. And at this time, they went from being tag team partners to enemies. And it all started when Kane Kane had to take his mask off. And then he became a full-blown monster. This time, he went from... Being, uh, an instrument of distraction for somebody, like, Paul Barron, for instance. Now, he, everything he did was by his own account, so, <clears throat> that's what made it so different. So, what I'm gonna look for um, here on YouTube is... <coughs> The first ever Texas Bull Rope match. i say it's, yeah. I think it's the first ever one because the way that superstar Billy Graham described it, he said that, um, Dusty Rhodes, I'm sorry I had to clear my throat, terrible allergies all the time. And he said that, um, in real life, Dusty Rhodes, once, he was not, um, what we call, he was not, um, happy with the way their series ended, so... He had two matches with Superstar Billy Graham. And it's my understanding that no matter how, no matter the matches, he didn't, he wasn't, he wasn't ready for their story to end. So he walked up to Vince McMahon Sr. and he said, have one more match for us to do together for us to close to end our feud, end our story. It's called the Texas up match. When it started, you know, we talk about Dusty Rhodes being overweight and everything, which he used to as an advantage, by the way. But talk about quick on his feet. He was trying to get, hold on to the rope to pull Billy Graham, Superstar Billy Graham in. Billy Graham tried to jump, run ahead of him to get an this, uh, to get an unfair advantage, he moved out of the way. He was as quick as a cat, if I could use that word. then he got, because Superstar hit his forehead, it looked like he had his forehead on the rope, so he hit him with the fore, then it, with his bionic elbow. And, <coughs> I'm starting to understand this more and more. There's so much to ring psychology than just reading the, uh, The crowd's, um, facial expressions. You have to know, there's more to it, like, and Dusty Rhodes understood this. The way you can entertain the crowd is the way you talk and the way you carry yourself. Dusty Rhodes was a master of this because he didn't have to, he didn't have to say or do anything unnecessary or vulgar, like, um some of the people in the Attitude Era did, so, that's what made him so good, like, he took the bull rope, just to get a, probably, not just to be entertaining, but probably to get under the skin of Superstar Billy Graham, he was twirling it around like a, like a jump rope, then he did, he put that finger, and this is probably where where Hulk Hogan got it, like, no, no, no. I don't know why, but Hulk Hogan liked to do that when he started to supposedly turn into Hulk. <laughs> when I, I don't know why, I guess because of being naive, I never realized that when Hogan would do his hulking up, that that came from, that was his way of how the Incredible Hulk used to uh, break, tear clothes because he would come that's when he would get mad that's how he would get get become the Hulk I never realized until about one day ago I guess that that's why they call it hulking up because that's his way of becoming the Hulk Superstar did it I think I don't know what he was really trying but the mistake was getting out of the ring but getting out the ring is a mistake because you have that bull rope wrapped around your sh- your wrist. Somebody big like Dusty, you might be strong, you might be strong enough to build muscle, but everybody a bodybuilder's size. But Dusty can just have, be just as easily strong. That's a mistake. Gets him up to his feet uh, by on a elbow. The first offensive move. Superstar Gets is that uh I rake. For and this is actually talk about gimmick matches. This was more of like say I'm trying to think how you say that. This is more like Anything goes, and they just used the bull rope to, to get people excited because they'd never seen anything like this. Um, it was the, This is one of those matches that had to be, not be designed, but they had to change the rules on it, and it was much better. Because it it took so... It's more... As far as the psychology of wrestling goes. When you go from... Trying to beat somebody up to try to get a pinfall. To end the match. When you try to tap all four corners. It makes the opponent wonder what's coming next. uh, Can... Is this the time or... Better yet will this end it the way we're hoping? And I think that's why I'm hope that's why I prefer the Texas Bull match that I actually grew up watching. Anytime I would watch a video of the Texas bowl rope match, it was always tapping off four corners to win. So I prefer that. And what I'm wondering, well, I know they had a discussion about this, but I just want to get straight into the match, so that's why I didn't air the audio. But... One of the other Texas World matches that have on YouTube with Dusty is actually, well, the people he could go against, instead of going against a wrestler, he was going against a wrestler-turned-manager like, uh, J.J. Dillon. So yeah, I will play the audio just so you can know the story.
3: I was received, along with a stack of cards saying hit the roll of Jack, Whoops, I mean JJ, that's what all the cards said, but as you can see, the flowers have gone their way, they are dead, but the sweet smell of victory, the sweet taste of victory has lingered on, and I'm still here, and I plan on being here for a long time, the new king of the Texas Bull Road Match, can you imagine, Dusty Rhodes, never lost prior to this, a Texas Road match, and you're talking about people like the dreaded Pat Song Nam. You're talking about King Curtis. You're talking about superstar Billy Graham. You're talking about some fantastic athletes that all fell short. But I was there. And you know why I was there? Because of this man right here. You gotta give credit where credit's due. This man took me behind the barn, took me out in the corral with the mud and the manure, and he strapped one into this bull rope and he dragged me and i got a little perturbed because it wasn't very pleasant with that manure in my ears and up my nose and spitting it in my hair but the end result was what i really savored when the one two three was counted and my hand was raised in victory and i would love to be able to reminisce that moment right now
1: yeah well all right i'll tell you what we're going to do mr Dillon. uh certainly a picture is worth ten thousand words uh take a look at this situation, and uh, I would certainly entertain your comments
3: as we uh, move along. The whole key to this match, and I'm not going to be uh, facetious about it, was the fact that prior to the match, Dusty Rhodes did have to face the Southern Heavyweight Champion, the number one contender for the World's Heavyweight Championship, the fantastic Cowboy Ron Bass. And Dusty Rhodes came into the ring in a very feeble attempt to try and intimidate not only myself. The Cowboy Ron Bass, but he was not about to be intimidated. I said all along, story the man came into the ring using the poor robust well, Bob's standing there expecting to have a match. He come in swinging that bell over his head like the dirty lowdown dog he's always been. Uh, this looks good, J.J. The man's finally getting what he had coming for a long time. Right here is years, I mean years, of revenge coming out. And believe you me, J.J., I ain't nothing. never felt any better than the time that I got to
1: use and the time that I got to hurt that uh, Dusty Rose. I enjoyed every little second of it. Dusty had put a superhuman task upon himself in agreeing to... Uh...
3: That ego got in the way again, didn't it, J.J.? The man's ego took the off all along. The man always been overstepping a bound, but he's always had somebody to back him up. And used to be it was a big cowboy. But now that I don't back him up anymore, I'm the one that's filling out the fights, man. It was so sweet. Lord, can't in a full rope match, the same as he did Dusty Rhodes, except for those new little secrets that he never even told Rhodes, and he told me it was the turning
1: point in my picture. Well, I would say this, you don't count Dusty Rhodes down until the free time. Where is he now? He's worth a thousand words, and he's trying to drag himself up because he's in real trouble. I don't question that he's in trouble, sir, I don't question that at all, but I'm saying that uh, I...
3: I don't Uh, Dustin Rhodes doesn't take any unfair advantage of asking for a rest period, which he does not deserve because it wasn't in the contract. He's putting it on his wrist, which is actually a very generous thing right here for him to do that and make sure it's properly secured, make sure
1: it's tight around the wrist so he's got a fair shake.
3: I'm in a sense of fair play about it. There you go. I told you that now. I worked every time, JJ. Put that bill up there. That's what I'm wrong, brother. Believe you me, I know what the pain feels like. And now pay off, to the it, JJ? All that training's up right in the bar. I got mad at you, but it was worth it because you made me mad. And I knew I had to go in there. See, you five. know how to use it now, JJ. That's it, brother. Choke him out. Choke him down. That's it, what it's all about. <laughs> Slicing and choking. That's the secret. Slicing the Slicing and choking. The plan is working real fine right here, and the American dream is in serious trouble. There you go. The one, two, three should have been right here for reference. It's it's slowly slow. uh-huh, move. No, sir. That was a standard count. No way, not at that. 1, 2, 3, slowly. I think you two would have to have been. But I was prepared for this because you toughened me up for this match. You didn't send me in there blind. You were real. I knew what I was up against tonight. But again, he hasn't been able to put me down. I keep getting up. You notice that fighting spirit? I keep getting up. You know, Sully was talking about Rhodes keep getting up. JJ, he ain't mentioned a word about you getting up. Get up, get down, get down. 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 You're at okay. him I'm all out, I'll say, finish it out, Rhodes. I can take it. The work that stuff is, no, got this exactly right. I'm proclaimed king of the Texas 4-0 match. My only time out, I'll beat the best, and I'm going to retire until six as this man says, and he's going to defend it for me. And the only way that I would ever consider a Texas 4 match again would be if Dusty Rhodes again comes up in the rankings. He's going to prove himself in 4 road matches again, because he's down in the rankings, and ended have to sweeten it a little, little bit, like he wanted me to leave town I'd like to take him back in the ring and beat him again to get him out of town there's no end to what I can do with the help of Cowboy Bass, Southern heavyweight champion I world just, just want to say one thing J.J. Dillon we were talking about the people that won Dusty Rolls and beaten so Rose, there's two people in the world that you hadn't beaten bull rope competition it's this man right here and the man that invented it said right here we're not hiding, come look for us Double I'm a new pair of boots.
1: <laughs> oh, really.
3: Celebrate your occasion right here. I was down at casino and Sunsdive told me there was a wedding party in Tampa last week, full tuxedos and western boots. I've set the whole fashioned trend as the new full road champion. I think we've really heard all we
1: need from two of the most egomaniacal people I've ever Personally
0: guarantee that we'll be back. Okay, so actually one thing I would have to say, um is of all the times for them to point out. That it's um that it's anything goes. So what does it matter? That would have been a perfect time. So that's why, that's why I got the feeling. That's why um I got the feeling I fussed about that was because it's the opposite. Okay, I know that took 30 minutes, and that's longer than y'all are expecting. But I didn't know what else to do, and just thought I'd share this with y'all. Thank you, and goodbye. No, not goodbye. I have to be honest about this. Uh, about this match, I thought it was interesting how they showed the clip instead of a full match. And really, the story was him being. To really, break that down to simple. The story was, Dusty's the king of the Texas Bull Rope match, supposedly. But the truth is, he lost the first match he ever had. And then having somebody that retired from the entering part, semi-retired, get in the ring with him. And at first it was his client to get in the ring with him. was a great story because it, it added to the story that him not just being a... A manager, but he's also a wrestler. So that's what I thought was great about this story. But when they started using the Texas Bull Rope Match and Championship for the championship, that's when you knew they were onto something. That's when it became a gimmick match. Was more. That's when the gimmick match became more of like say, it is important. It's not just to use to close out a um close out a story, this match can be used to sell tickets. That's what I think is important in matches like that. Thank you and goodbye.